Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Colin Squires. Have you guys got, let me ask you this question. I love asking this question. It's my favorite question to ask people at this time of year. Have you got any traditions as a family at Christmas of like, this is how you do stuff. This is when you do presents or anything like that. Anybody? You'll give me some nods, like you just the things you look forward to, that thing we do it our way every year. And if any another family came and joined you, they'd be like, You're insane. That is completely wrong. That's not how you do Christmas. Come on, you don't open the presents till after the Queen's speech. What are you what is wrong with you? You know, like we have these things of this is how it's done. And I've had the, the privilege of celebrating Christmas with different families across the world. I've done Christmas in New York, in Paris, in Brussels, in Christchurch, New Zealand, and of course, many times in this country. And spending time with families in different cultures to see how they do Christmas. And in, in America, in New York, it was just like we see in the movies. You know, it was so like over the top. It was kind of really lovely. Um, in France, there's some interesting traditions, at least with a family that I was with, they had the Christmas dinner, like the big meal was on Christmas Eve. It was the day before. Typically, there was lots of fish um, rather than turkey. And uh, they also said on Christmas night, on Christmas Eve, you would go and you'd leave one of your shoes under the tree. No, there weren't presents under the tree. There was just a pile of shoes. And then in the morning, you'd come downstairs and piled up in different piles around the room were piles of presents with your shoe on top. And that was how you know they were your presents. And I was like, this is so cool and so bizarre. There are weird, because in Japan, it's thanks to a very, very successful advertising campaign in the 1970s, the traditional Christmas meal is KFC. Kentucky Fried Chicken at Christmas. I mean, can you believe? One friend of mine, his traditional Christmas dinner was a Chinese takeaway. Because every Sunday they'd do a massive roast as a family and and they didn't have loads of money to splash out on takeaway. So the special thing at Christmas was to not do a Christmas, like a roast dinner and do Chinese. In uh, in New Zealand, the family I was with, it was tradition to have a barbecue because of course it was summer, it was 30 degrees. So we had barbecued trout on the lakefront. You know, it's just bizarre Christmas traditions. But for all of us, these traditions, they can be like the things we hold on to. For Kate and I, some of the traditions we grew up with in our families, we're holding on to and we're carrying through to with our children. But it's not traditions I believe God wants to speak to us about this morning. It's something else that we're to hold on to, specifically over this Christmas period. I felt God say it's so important to hold on to these three things. Hold on to the gospel. Hold on to your calling, who you are, and hold on to Jesus. Uh, let's, Let's start with the Christmas story. If you've got your Bibles, we're reading from Luke chapter 1. Verse 26, it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that was Mary's cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. He will be, a very, gr- he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. 
The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he'll be called the Son of God. In verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now, I wonder, how did Mary feel at that time? In the, and in the days that followed, I wonder, did she have a sense of something had happened in her physically in that moment? She suddenly was aware of this life inside her. Or maybe that didn't happen for a few days or happened at some point later. Or maybe she had to wait for the morning sickness to kick in to know that something had happened. I don't know. But did she run in that moment and tell Joseph? Did she run to his house? Remember, they would have lived separately at this time. She run to his house and knock on the door. And then just as he's about to open the door, think, can I tell him? Will he believe me? What about my family? I mean, you've got to remember that in, in this culture, it was shameful for a woman to be pregnant out of wedlock. Not just for her, but for her whole family. Honor and shame culture was, was the culture of the day. And so her whole family would have shame upon them. So she's thinking, what will happen? Will he believe me? And we don't know what, what she said in that moment or when she told Joseph. But if we look at Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 1, it says this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Well, there's our answer. He didn't believe her. I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure how many people that line has ever worked on. You know, it, it, it was, no, it was, I'm a virgin still. It was, it was the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, to be fair, at least he thought, well, I don't want to shame you. I don't want to disgrace you. I'll, I'll just, I'll divorce you quietly. But can you imagine how Mary felt in that moment? She knows God has done something miraculous. She's seen the angel of the Lord. Like she knows, she, she knows she's never been with a man, yet she knows she is pregnant. She knows what God has birthed in her. And yet her fiancé, of all people, doesn't believe her. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Maybe you've received something God, you've heard something from God. Maybe when you got saved and you wanted to tell a loved one, they didn't believe you. I mean, I know what that felt, feels like. I think just maybe a little bit. I remember I hadn't been saved very long. I remember I grew up in an atheist family and uh, I'd, I'd, I've shared this testimony before. I would spend lunch times at my college when I was 17 praying with a friend and then we would go to the second half of lunchtime to go and pray for the sick. And one time I remember praying for this girl. She was a Muslim and, uh, and we just felt God leading us to her and said, is there, is there anything wrong with you? Are you sick or anything like that? Can we pray for you? And she said, oh, yeah, sure, and showed us her shoulder. It was red and swollen. She said, I can't move it very much. It gets like this quite frequently. It's really painful. And we said, can we pray for you? She said, yeah, all right. So I remember just reaching out my hand thinking, oh, I have no idea what to do. I only say five minutes. And, uh, and saying, in Jesus' name, get better. And she literally, she just suddenly looks at me like this. She goes, what did you do? I, I don't know. What did you do? And she starts swinging her arm around and go like this. What did you do? And I'm thinking, like, all these people are starting to look around. And we're thinking, oh, no, no, I don't know what we've done. And, and she says, the pain is gone. And she shows us her shoulder and all the swelling and all the redness is gone. And she's got complete freedom of movement. And then she goes, do my boyfriend. And gets her boyfriend over. And anyway, we'll pray for him. And it was all this amazing stuff. And I remember going home that day and plucking up the courage to go, my dad doesn't know the Lord. He needs to know what God can do. 
I'm going to tell him what happened today. And I remember where exactly where I stood, what was happening. And, and I remember saying to him, Dad, this is what happened today. This is, I described it, pray for this person. They, and they got healed, they got better. And, and God did it. And he looked me in the eye and he said, I don't believe you, you're lying. And oh, how hard that was to hear and how hard it was for me next time to pluck up the courage to then try and share the gospel, to share what God had done, to share testimony. Uh, with him. And still to this day, I don't find it easy at all. But for Mary, she didn't have a choice. She couldn't just say, well, I've got this testimony of God appearing to me, but I just won't tell anyone. She was showing, you know, she, she couldn't hide what God had been doing. But thankfully, in her case, God spoke to Joseph. In verse 20, Joseph had a dream. It said, as he considered divorcing her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now, I pray that maybe my dad will have a dream like that, where God will say, I did do that. I did heal that girl. And I can, and I can move in your life too. Um, but whether he does or not, I have a decision to make. Much like Mary, we all have this decision to make. If you're a Christian here today, we've received something from God. We have the gospel, the message, the good news of who Jesus is, and we carry it in our spirit man within us, just like Mary was carrying Jesus. And over this Christmas period, I'm sure we're going to have the opportunity to either keep that to ourselves or to share it with those around us. And maybe it'd be easier to keep it to ourselves. Pastor Clive was sharing really vulnerably last week about what goes through his mind and how difficult it can sometimes be to share the gospel with people and how they might respond. But we have the opportunity to, like Mary, declare what God has done, even in the face of, of her most beloved, saying, I don't believe you. She still, she didn't lie. She didn't try and pass it off. She didn't try to excuse it. She said, this is what God has done. We started this year talking about sharing our lives, sharing faith and sharing Jesus. And so this morning, I want to give the opportunity just to, wherever you are, just gathering some groups around. You can shuffle chairs around. You can turn in. You can chat with the person next to you. We're going to take the next few minutes just to, to talk together, to share. What are the opportunities that you have got this Christmas time? Maybe you're going to go see some family. You're going to see some friends who you know they need to hear the message of Jesus. Or maybe there's someone who you're going to see that you could share your faith with. You could share some testimony or pray for. Or if not, maybe everyone you're going to visit this Christmas, everyone you're going to see already knows Jesus. Uh, then is there someone that you could invite over that doesn't? Maybe a neighbor. Someone that you could use this time as an opportunity to share the life of Jesus. And in your groups, just talk about it together. And then have a bit of accountability for example, I'm not going to get to see my, my family, this, my parents this Christmas. They're flying off to New Zealand today to see our family out there. Um, but they, um, if, if I were, then it might help me to have some accountability with someone I'm next to and saying, do you know what? I determine before the Lord with you, I'm going to share something of who Jesus is to, with him. And then we can agree. And the next time you see me in the new year, you can say, did you do it? And that always helps, isn't it? To keep that accountability. Did you do it? Did you do it? And, uh, and so have that accountability and that opportunity to share. And most importantly, pray for one another. Just pray for a fresh release of the Holy Spirit, for that power of God, just as it came on Mary and filled her physically with the messenger, the message, Jesus himself, the word of God. Pray for a filling ourselves afresh with the word of God, like a fire shut up in our bones, ready to pour out just what God has done, who he is. Okay, so I'll give you the next few minutes. Just gather together uh, and, uh, and share and pray. 
and then I'll come and interrupt you in a few minutes. If you've got your Bibles, let's flick back over to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2 this time, and read what happens in the next bit of our story. And it says, at that time, this is when uh, Mary had just told Joseph everything that's going on. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged and was now expecting a child. Now, I want to ask you, how do you picture that going? Because I imagine for most of us, we probably at the back of our minds have this thought of, it was like Mary and Joseph getting a letter or something like from, you know, uh, Inland Revenue or like, you know, Her Majesty's government, something like that, that says, there's a census and you need to go back there and need to do it this weekend because we need to get it all done. And they're like, oh no, but Mary's nine months pregnant. What do we do? Oh, we'll get a donkey. We'll shove her on it and we'll hope that she doesn't give birth along the way. And then they go and it's this four day journey at least to get to uh, to Bethlehem. And they turn up and it's crazy busy because everyone's there for the census. And so they're trying to find somewhere to stay. There's no room. So they get the inn and maybe Mary's going into labor. There's contractions. They find a stable. And that night she gives birth to the baby Jesus. Would, would Probably that's what most of us would think. Yeah? No, not at all. Now, if, if we, uh, we just take a moment to look at what was really going on at the moment, if it was not in the Romans' interest to have everybody all travel like one weekend and it's going to be next week to register for a census, there'd have been a big window for the opportunity to go and register. And so if there was this long time, why would Joseph take Mary to do a journey alone with highwaymen and and bandits and robbers and murderers and thieves while Mary's so heavily pregnant. He wouldn't have. It would have been crazy. Now, we tend to read it this way due to our Western individualist culture. But Jewish culture is much more collectivist. They wouldn't read this this way because there's this understanding of the things that go without being said. Uh, Is that firstly, we need to remember that Joseph's whole family was from Bethlehem. So his whole family would be going. Also, Mary was also a descendant of David. And so her whole family were also going. So the reason that they would have have gone together, not on their own, but they would have gone with a big caravan of people, of family and friends and neighbors all traveling together. Um, We know about this when when they're traveling back, uh, when Jesus is a little bit older and he gets lost because there are so many people traveling and Mary thought he was with Joseph and Joseph thought he was with Mary because they all traveled together. Also, we have to understand that birth and labor was a family affair. There would have been the whole of Mary's side of the family would have been there for the birth, helping and bringing all the stuff that was needed and uh, helping set up the beds and all those kinds of things. They would have been with her. They wouldn't have let her travel alone either. So in all likelihood, a huge bunch bunch of them are all traveling together. Uh, maybe on a donkey, maybe not. I mean, it doesn't say in the Bible. It was a common form of transport, but we don't know. Um, but the point is they were all traveling together. Now, why is this important? Well, firstly, I just think it's interesting. I just love kind of studying this stuff and trying to get my head into understanding what was really going on. 
but also I think it's important that we allow our sort of our cultural interpretations to be challenged at times, to not just read what we read at surface value and, and see it through the lens of our culture, but what was really going on and understanding it. And then something, it, I find it just for me at least, it comes alive. There's a, just a richer understanding from it when we see what was, what was really intended. But also, uh, explaining this, oh, by the way, if you'd like to read more about this, you can. a really great Christmas present would be Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes, fantastic book, uh, would really recommend it, really, really interesting, thoroughly interesting read, and it points, not just intellectually, but it points our heart to understanding what does God really want to communicate to us through the Word, excellent book. Um, but the other reason that I, I think it's important to communicate it uh, in this message is because it conveniently helps me make the second point that I believe that God wants to share with us this morning. And that is our second thing we'd hold on to. We'd hold on to the gospel over Christmas, or also to hold on to our calling or who we are in Christ. Maybe Mary and Joseph, as they're traveling along these four days with their family, they're thinking it'd be so nice to just have some time alone together, perhaps. Maybe that's just my individualist culture reading into it again. But uh, they've just got all their family around. And I, you know what it's like, maybe with your family. Maybe it's just me. But has anyone ever experienced this where you've got, you know, Mary's uncle like, Mary, sit up on that donkey. You're squashing the baby. Yes, uncle. Or Joseph, I hope you're going to do your fair share of nappy changes when the babies come. Obviously, they obviously had nappies back then. Yes, auntie. And like, oh, Mary, make sure you eat that hummus. You're eating for two now. Yes, cousin. You know, this, this family just butting in, getting involved and all that kind of stuff. And uh, or maybe perhaps when they're traveling, they stop in the evening. Often the women would have traveled at the front together. Men would have traveled at the back together. And uh, perhaps Joseph sat around with all of his, his cousins and they're saying, come on, Joseph, you're going to have responsibilities when the baby's comes. Just one more drink. I won't do any harm. Come on, celebrate, live a little. And they're putting this peer pressure on Joseph. And he's trying to think, oh, would this be a good idea or not? No, I want to honor the Lord. And, and we know he wants to honor the Lord. He's, he always traveled to Jerusalem for all the festivals. He's, he's a, a God-fearing, God-loving man. Or maybe Mary, uh, her, her sister comes and says, who's also called Mary, says, Mary, come over here. Um, I've got some, some juicy gossip I want to share with you. And Mary's like, ooh, oh no, I, I want to find favor with God. You know, there's this peer pressure around when they're with the family. And, uh, and perhaps that was going on. I mean, we don't, we don't really know. They were probably likely with the family, but what was happening? But spending time with family and old friends can be wonderful. Don't get me wrong. We, we love the opportunity. I'm thankful for the opportunity. But it can also sometimes be a challenge. I remember when I'd been here for a few years, I'd come to the Bible College, uh, and I, I would manage to travel back home, back to, to Bristol and Bath, and I'd see friends. And I'd left there at seven, uh, at 20, sorry, I'd left there at 20. And I, I'd come back after a few years, and hopefully, God's working in me. I've matured a little bit. Some of you are thinking, oh, not that much. Uh, you know, matured a bit, grown up a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit wiser, a little bit, you know, just kind of older, just you know, head screwed on more, what have you. And I'd come back and I'd spend time with friends. And of course, they hadn't seen the growth. They had this snapshot of me at 20, and now I'm 24, 25. And they've not seen that. And so they would treat me, they'd speak to me as though I was still 20 and making inappropriate jokes still. And I was, you know, uh, the kind of uh, sense of humor that I had, the kind of attitudes that I would have had. And, uh, and so it was very difficult in that to, to have opportunity almost to prove, no, I'm, I, I want to I do different. I want to live better. I want to do something more. And it was very tempting just to fall into the expectation of me and just to live as a 20-year-old again. 
I don't know about you guys, when you're with your family, do you ever find that your, maybe uh, your language is a little less seasoned with grace? Do you find that when it's with family that maybe uh, you let your guard down somewhat and you say something that you'd probably more likely to regret than you maybe wouldn't have said to Pastor Clive or, you know, to somebody in church on a Sunday? It just, just me, okay. <laughs> do you ever have that feeling when you're spending time with family that you're just 10 years old again? Maybe you're 40 or you're approaching 40 like me and you've got to think like, oh, how do I, how am I being made to feel like I'm just 10 years old? Or maybe you're 50 or you're 70 or whatever. And you just have this feeling of being a certain age all over again. Anyone ever experienced anything like that? And it can be really triggering in that moment of that, that frustration of this is who I am. Why am I be treated like this? And it can be so difficult to hold on to who we know we are and called to be, especially when we're around our family of origin. And, uh, and so I think we, we see this um, just represented here so, so clearly that um, we are coming to, uh, to this time of a break and coming time with family. Uh, but in that time where we're spending time with family and just this pull to not be who we're called to be. And uh, this can sometimes push our buttons, right? Maybe more than anything else is, is when we're with our families. And God wants to encourage us to remain in who he says we are. When Jesus returned to Nazareth as an adult uh, to teach and do miracles, people said, isn't he just the carpenter's son? Who does he think he is? But God said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Maybe similarly in, in Nazareth, Mary was seen as that silly girl who managed to get herself knocked up out of wedlock. But God said, you are my highly favored one and I am with you. Maybe when you go home when with your family, there are times when you feel like the foolish one, the idiot, the loser, or how could you believe that kind of stuff? Maybe you're one who's to felt like you haven't got it all together and you don't know how to parent your own children or whatever it might be. But who does God say you are? Reminding ourselves of this is who I am in Christ and not letting go of it for anyone. And being able to proclaim, look at what God has done in me. Not just in words. We talked about sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus. There's the word part and doing that boldly, but also in our integrity, just saying, I refuse to give in. I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm going to have control over my mouth and, uh, and I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to speak love and speak truth. So I want to give you another few minutes just in your groups. Maybe you have the opportunity to share if you're going to be going into a difficult situation. Maybe, you know, that time where you always find it difficult with your family. What could you do if those kind of feelings come up? Remind one another of who we are in God. Just take that moment to just encourage one another. And if you're thinking, this doesn't sound relevant to me, I love my family, they're absolutely brilliant, and all they ever do is just build me up and it is wonderful, then I want you to have the opportunity to think, is there someone who you might be spending time with who might be on the other end? Is there some way in the way that you might speak to others in your family that might make them sometimes feel like they're just still kids? And think, how can I speak the destiny that God has for you over you? How can I encourage you and just speak to you as a beloved, highly favored son or daughter of God? And, uh, and lastly, again, if you, if you haven't had time to do before, to just pray with one another, to say, thank you, Jesus, that in all this, I'm going to walk in who you say I am. Again, I'm going to give you a few minutes and then we'll draw back together uh, for a few minutes before we close.
we're just going to come into land with our story. So we're back in Luke chapter 2 this time, looking from verse 6, if you've got your Bible open. And it says this, while they were there in Bethlehem, so they could have been there for a while, probably in all likelihood, it's very unlikely they arrived and she gave birth that night, but they're there for a while. Anyway, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, do you think that Mary there, she's just... After the, the, the last few months she's had, she's had her uh, the craziness of the emotional turmoil of her fiancé rejecting her. She's seen an angel of the Lord, then he's accepted her, and then, and then all of this and explaining to the family and getting everyone ready and preparing for this big trip, packing up their belongings, the craziness of that, this long, arduous journey while pregnant. That can't have been easy. They get there. It's a hustle, bustle, hubbub. There's probably a festival going on. It's all crazy. Everyone's around. There's the census. It's just absolute chaos. And then it comes time for the labor and she's giving birth and there's how long that took it's her firstborn maybe she's in labor for like 27 something hours and it's there's all of this going on and then these shepherds arrive and there's she's there in this like lower ground floor where all the animals are kept or a stable or something and there's people everywhere there's family there's chaos there's noise there's sheep there's ducks or whatever else they had uh, there's all sorts of craziness these shepherds and everything's going on and then finally Jesus is here and she goes he's here, the promised one, my baby boy. Wake me in a week, I'm knackered. And she rolls over. <laughs> Do you think for a second that would have been her response? It's been so busy. Do you know what? I'm, ju- I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go for a drink. You just you just hold on to him and I'll see him in a week's time for, for his, you know, uh, you know, circumcision and stuff. Like, no. No, she would have held her baby, clutched him close to her. She would have fed him. She would have, she would have praised God. There would be celebration. There would be thanksgiving. And then she, I'm sure she rested. I'm sure she had a slept. She slept. I'm sure people looked after her. But that every waking minute would be, I just want my baby. I want to hold him close. I'm re- not just her baby boy, but this is Jesus. This is God's promised one. She held on to Jesus. I am sure. I am sure. Now, I hope that over the Christmas holidays that every one of us gets a bit of a rest, a bit of a break. For some, that might be you get a week off or even longer. For some, you've maybe just got a couple of days. But I pray that all of us get opportunity for a bit of a rest and a bit of a break. It seems everyone I've spoken to, no matter what you do, what your background, what your job, all that kind of thing, everyone has just been busy, busy this time of year. And, uh, and I know it has been, it's been crazy for me, and I'm so looking forward to a bit of downtime. But it is so important at the same time to remember hold on to Jesus, to make time for him. I'm looking forward to lions in the morning. I mean, 8am, that is going to just be glorious, isn't it? Yes, I still have children over Christmas break. 8am will be fantastic. But I still want to make sure I'm finding that time, just have some time with the Lord. So the rest is good, but my deepest rest is found in him. And I want to make sure I'm making time just hold on to him and not tempted to think, especially for someone like me, a lot of my job is this, but I like I'm a pastor. I pray. That's part of what I do. So I don't want to think, oh, I've got a holiday time. So I'm having a holiday from Jesus. I'm having a break from Jesus. Oh, I don't have to pray today. Brilliant. You know, I don't want that mindset to have any like room whatsoever. I want to hold on to Jesus. Amen. So over this, uh, this next just Christmas period, let's just remember to take time 
to adore him. To remember that all of this stuff is not something we do, like quiet time, just making time to pray or worship, better put that on, I better do it. But that coming to just like Mary, just and holding her baby for the first time, and just that adoration. Let's let us adore Jesus. There might be a temptation to think, well, in January, we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. So I can probably let it slip a bit now and I'll make up for it in January and it balances out. (laughs) We don't want to take like, I don't want to use this to take our foot off the throttle because it implies some sense of like driven, like keep going, keep going, keep going. Let's just not let our adoration wander. I think that more than more than a sense of let's keep driven, let's keep our hearts just connected to Jesus, making time to love him and receive his love for us and know his true deep rest. So I want to ask you this last question. We haven't got time to go through it right now, but I would encourage you to talk about this as a family or the people you're with or people around you out at the hub in a minute as you have a coffee. What could you do this Christmas time for God as an individual or altogether as a family to make space and time for him, to remember him and put him at the center. Maybe this even becomes one of the traditions as a family. For us, when we're with Kate's family, they all know the Lord. We give out all our presents and then we give a note to one another of just something that we love about them, something we appreciate about them. And then we pray for one another. And, uh, and that's become like part of our tradition. It's part of this. It wouldn't be Christmas if we didn't do that. What kind of things could you do to put God at the very, very center, Jesus at the center of everything, where your adoration just is pointed back to him. And lastly, if you don't know God, or maybe like Mary, upon hearing the angel, you just don't know what to make of it. You're just confused by it. You don't know what all this means or what it's about. Then please come and have a conversation. Please come and have a conversation. But no matter who we are, let's let that that reminder that who Jesus is, he's Emmanuel, God with us. Let's make space to have him with us. Should we just stand and let's just pray as we close? Yeah, Jesus, thank you that this Christmas, every single one of us we know, who knows you, Lord, we would hold on to the gospel. Father, just like Mary said, I am your servant. May it be to me as you have said. Lord, let our answer be, I am your servant. Send me. Here I am. I'll go. Carrying the gospel, holding on to it, giving it to everyone who needs to hear it. Jesus, let us also hold on to who we are, who you say we are. No, not what anyone else says, not what the media says, not what the world says, not what our, maybe even our families say. Jesus, who you say we are, let us hold fast to these promises, these truths, all we've been learning about in Ephesians, that we would know who we are in Christ and unshakably so. And Jesus, I pray that, Father, we wouldn't, if there's anything that comes up that pushes buttons, we wouldn't be a people who turn to something to try and to escape it or run from it. But Jesus, we would hold to Jesus. Lord, you would be at the center of everything. Jesus, you at the center of the worship of all the people all gathered around and the shepherds and the star and the angels and everything, just Jesus at the center. And Father, I pray that, Lord, any time where our attention or adoration might wander, Lord, would you remind us of your word, remind us of this message and just say, Jesus is drawing me back to him because he loves me and I want to just adore him. Jesus, I thank you for hearts connected with you. And Jesus, I pray for anyone who doesn't know you, anyone who's like Mary, just, just, going, I don't know what to make of this. Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself. That just, that when Jesus came, there was just a knowing. When, when 
the major turned up and they said, God has spoken and we followed the star and uh, the shepherd said, this angel has spoken. Anyone who is doubting, all the family who went, oh, I don't really know what to make of this God stuff. I think she just you know, made a mistake. At that moment, they knew this is God's promise. And Jesus, I just pray for everyone, anyone who's like that, just you would know God is with you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.